Welcome to the First Century Youth Ministry Podcast. A podcast looking back into the Jewish roots of our faith. For the way forward in youth ministry discipleship. I'm Heather. And I'm Jonathan. And we are your co-hosts. This podcast is part of the Youth Cartel Podcast Network. Hey guys, welcome back to the First Century Youth Ministry Podcast. Um, so we've just recently kind of come off a series that we did on the intertestamental period. We've been talking about you know the the story of the the Herodian family, right? The different Herods of the Bible. We've got uh, you know Herod the Great and and kind of the huge impact that that had on the world of the New Testament, the world that the disciples were ministering in, the world that Yeshua grew up in, and kind of touching more on that sort of cultural background and understanding. Um, Heather's gonna going to talk to us today about a little bit more of, of understanding that, that Jewish cultural background and kind of keeping a an eye on the what's behind the things that we read about in Scripture. So yeah. Heather, then for today's topic, what's uh, what's kind of what's our, our starting point here? Sure. So I actually taught this to my Sunday school a couple of weeks ago, and it's really fun to watch kind of the eyes light up when they learn these things, because when we start to teach the Bible from within its cultural context, it really starts to come to life in really fun ways. In fact, there are all sorts of little goofy things in the scriptures that we don't quite understand because, again, we didn't live in that time period. We didn't know the thing behind the thing that was going on. But when we really start to dig into it, it gets really, really fun. So, to kind of kick off this episode, I thought it'd be fun to bring this into our world a little bit to understand the importance of understanding cultural context, right? So I was just thinking, for example, if I were to show up, say, in Chicago, on the south side of Chicago, wearing a Cubs jersey, and all of a sudden I'm riding on the subway and I'm getting these dirty looks from people and I'm thinking to myself, do I smell? You know, is, did, I, did I sit down in the wrong seat? Like, why are these people giving me these dirty looks? Well, culturally, contextually, I'm on the wrong side of Chicago if I'm going to wear a Cubs jersey. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> For many people, they would already know that. It, it, people would be going, oh, what is she thinking? Right? But but insert that into 2,000 years ago and they would go, I don't get it. Because it's not part of their culture. It's not part of their context. Right? And so this is what we have to do as 21st century learners of our master Yeshua is to go back and to try to understand the thing behind the thing. And so that's what we're going to do today in the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. So, um, so here's a fun little ditty about things that um, our friends, uh, the Jewish people believed during the time of Jesus um, during the time of our master. So there was a belief uh, among the Jewish people, that when a person died, their soul kind of lingered around the body for three days. Because it, you know, as it says, the rabbis said they, it was kind of deciding if it was going to depart from the body fully, or if it was going to return to the body. Um, and so it says in Genesis Rabbah, in the Talmud, it says, the very height of mourning is not till the third day. For three days, the spirit wanders about the tomb, wondering if it may return into the body. Then it hovers no more, but leaves the body to itself. And then in, uh, in another part in the Talmud, in 
Semicote 8.1, it says, During the first three days, experts returned to the cemetery and examined the dead to determine whether they are really dead. So, contextually, we've just learned something about the Jewish people that they believed during the time of our master that now is going to make the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead make everybody go, Wow! That's amazing! Right? So that's that's what our master's doing here. Because it's so funky. Because if you read the story and you just kind of read it for face value, there's some things that make you kind of scratch your head a bit, right? The whole thing about Mary and Martha send word to Jesus that their brother Lazarus is sick. And then the scripture says, and Jesus waited two more days. Like, what? <laughs> like, Not if, much of a if, hurry there, right? No. I mean, if you found out that your best friend was really sick, you would get the first trip there. You know what I'm saying? You would get there as quickly as possible. But again, this is where Jesus is setting up the scene. He knows what he's doing and he's proving his messiahship and his ability to raise the dead on in, in only a way that a messiah can uh, in this story. In fact, he says to his disciples in uh, John chapter 11, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory that God's son may be glorified through it. And so, and then, you know, Jesus kind of tells his disciples, uh, Lazarus isn't dead. He's just asleep. And they're like, well, don't, don't wake him up. He needs to sleep. (laughs) He's sick. Right. And then Jesus tells them plainly, look, you you guys, Lazarus is dead. Okay. And, but for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. And so, We learn when Jesus shows up at the house of Mary and Martha that Lazarus has been dead for four, count them, four days. So again, remember in the Jewish mind, once the soul departs from the body, there's no more chance for resurrection. So all hope has been lost. This is why they're so distraught. And and they said, had you been here, our brother would not have died. And so Jesus steps onto the scene Again, when all hope is lost and he weeps over the reality that Lazarus is dead and the people standing by say, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind men have kept this man from dying? And again, says that Jesus once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take the stone away, he said. (laughs) I love what Martha says. She's like, but Lord, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor for he has been there four days. I think in the KJV it says it stinketh, which (laughs) if anybody has children, they know what stinketh is, right? So, but anywho, uh, so it stinketh because Lazarus had been dead for four days and any other ordinary individual This is where it gets really fun. Any other ordinary individual could have walked in there days one through three, said, Lazarus, come out. And in the Jewish mind, they would have thought, oh, no big deal. His soul must have just returned back to his body. Here he comes. But no ordinary individual is going to walk on there on day four and call Lazarus his name. And and no one is going to expect him to walk out, uh, if anything, 
no one's going to expect him to walk out anything short of a miracle, right? And so Jesus walks in and uh, by the authority given to him by God, says Lazarus come out and the dead man comes out. And Jesus again shows himself to be Messiah. And so everybody's in shock. They just can't believe it. <laughs> Jesus tells Lazarus, brother, take off those grave clothes. You got to go, right? Like you're alive now. And um, again, Jesus says at the very beginning, he told us this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. And so what's the moral of the story, right? Well, the fun part what, that we got to learn was that there's a context and there's a culture which Jesus lived in, which when we understand that, it makes the words of Jesus and the ministry of Jesus make so much more sense and become so much more powerful. And so when you're teaching this to your students or to whomever you might be teaching this to, remember that there's something usually... Uh, a thing behind the thing. And the thing behind the thing here was that the Jewish mind, uh, the Jewish people believed in this idea of the soul hovering around the body the first three days. And so hope that that's something that our listeners can take back with them and share with their congregations, with their friends, and that'll hook you with a desire to want to know more about the Jewish roots of your faith. Because man, there's something always hidden within the scriptures for the most part that's deeper if we're willing to kind of look back and uh, see what what's going on within the context and the culture of, of Jesus's day. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we get to the, the time period of the gospels, right? And they're largely, especially the synoptics of right, Matthew, Mark, Luke, they're largely kind of narrative biographies, Right. In fact, there's there's even still a, a sort of scholarly dispute over how you classify them because they're not strictly narrative. Some would compare it to a Greco-Roman biography that might be written about a great hero, right? Because they follow a central character kind of throughout this this uh, progression of their life, their accomplishments, their achievements. So it kind of looks sure. like that. Um, but what exactly what you just mentioned is there's so many things that you know we read it multiple layers abstracted away already. Right. Mm-hmm. The the typical person is not reading the New Testament in Greek, right? Most people can't do that. They're gonna read it in English. So that English translation is already a step removed away from the language that it was written in. And then you're reading it in English as a twenty first century American. So not even the English of, you know, the the sixteenth, seventeenth century King James, right? Because that English mm-hmm. was a little bit different than what we have today. And that yeah. was a little bit closer. But even that was you know, 1600 years almost uh, removed from the context, which is crazy to think about the amount of time that has passed since then. Um, mm. But yeah, I mean, just just digging into the the background to things that happen and understanding not just these weird things that happen, like four days, because you read that and you just say four days, okay, well, it's it's kind of odd. I don't I don't know yeah. why four is important because you'd think, <laughs> well, heroes after heroes at the third day, right? So. Maybe it's to contrast with that, but you don't really have any sort of uh, any sort of contextual setting to put it in to really understand why. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, getting to that that point of understanding unlocks so many of these things that otherwise really don't make sense. Uh, and there's so many things like that 
Uh, and I think that's that's really some of the benefit to a lot of the uh, Midrashic and other rabbinic literature, mm-hmm. even though it is a little bit later, right? It was written a little bit later after the New Testament. Uh, but so much yeah. of it still preserves, uh, you know, that same sort of Jewish thinking, yeah. right, that was so prevalent during the, the Second Temple era, especially among the Pharisees, which were kind of, the you know, the more popular uh, group among, you know, with the, the regular people. And one of my favorite examples is when... Yeshua is talking, and he's talking about the weightier matters, right? And he's like, look, you, you stress out about the little things. You tithe the mint and the dill, mm-hmm. you know, these, these little garden herbs. You tithe on these, but you, 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 you ignore the, the weightier matters. So mm-hmm. setting aside the, the actual point of the parable, the, the context there is when you talk about tithe, you know, it's agricultural produce according to uh, the Torah, Right. According to the law of Moses, it's a tenth. Right? It's a tenth of your agricultural produce um, that doesn't include garden herbs. Mm. So that's, those you don't have to tithe on. So why is he saying you tithe these? Well, because what he's talking about is you go beyond what's actually commanded. You go beyond mm. the requirement to tithe these agricultural things to these little bitty garden herbs. Um, and that's that's the, the level of willingness that they had to follow what they had interpreted the Torah to mean. Sure. But the actual heart of it and the actual point of keeping Torah yeah. is what they were missing. Mm-hmm. So again, you can you can kind of draw that and be like, well, I don't know why yeah. he's talking about garden herbs, but the point is they ignored yeah. the important stuff. But when you understand sure. what the tithing was and what it wasn't and what they had done with it, it, it opens more of it. It makes it easier uh, to comprehend. And then it, I think once you comprehend better its own setting, it becomes easier to contextualize. It becomes easier to apply that to your own time and setting. Absolutely. Yeah, that's really great. And, you know, we could have discussion after discussion after discussion about where we see Jesus interacting with the commonalities of his culture and of his day and of things that were happening that, at least from our perspective, we don't even have a clue (laughs) until we dig a little bit deeper into it and until we try to understand uh, the roots of our faith, right? I mean, this is true. so true. If you travel anywhere in the world different from Mars, there are different cultural norms that are completely foreign to us. I remember when I was in uh, East Asia and um, there's no such thing as like personal space there. And so people will get like uncomfortably close to you and it's not a big deal. Like they're just like, creeping up on you you know space invaders yeah there's like nothing there's nothing like that there though because again this is a different culture it's a different way that they understand and see life and so again is it true that the soul lingers around the body for three days like okay that's not the point right the point is is it's what they believed at the time right and it's what jesus spoke into he met the people where they were he understood the culture and therefore spoke himself into it in a way that showed himself to be the true King of Kings, the true Lord of Lords, the true Messiah and God's uh, sent one to save them from their sins. So Jonathan, this has been a fun discussion, I think, don't you? And uh, Hey, absolutely. Also, if people want to connect with us a little bit more and learn more about these fun things, because we love teaching about these fun things they can connect with us on our Facebook page. Um, ask a question. Uh, dig a little bit deeper with us. We're going to be doing a uh, 
a launch pretty soon uh, on an ebook that we have coming out called um, A Youth Leader's Guide to Making Sense of the Apocrypha. And so definitely be on the lookout for that. And we're super excited to be sharing that material with all of you. So friends, thanks for joining us for this episode of the First Century Youth Ministry Podcast. And we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye.